This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, it's exciting that we can study another portion of our series on the family. Uh, and so I'm excited to get into that. Brother Brandon gave a good intro last week as he kind of overviewed some of the topics. And he, he got the hard job. He had to talk about some of the tough topics that... Uh, some of them which I won't really have to talk about today, so I'm thankful that, that he was able to come in and lay in some groundwork. He started with Psalms chapter 127 and verse number 1, where it says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. And you probably don't need this verse explained to you, but I'm going to do it anyways. And a lot of times when we see the word except in the scriptures, it King James, that means unless. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. It's a waste of time to even try to build a house unless the Lord is the one building it. It's no good. It's a house that's going to fall. It's a waste of time. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Now that's a little bit... Uh, that's really King James for you. We don't really have watchmen anymore. There'd be a, a watchman watching over the city, make sure the bad guys aren't coming. Make sure there's not trouble coming. Unless this is a city that's kept by the Lord, unless it's a city that trusts in the Lord, then they, what's the point in even having a watchman? It doesn't do no good. You're dead anyways without the Lord. That's what he's trying to say. But the word I want to focus on is the word House. And you, once again, I probably don't have to explain this to you, but you could say this about anything, and it could be true, right? Except the Lord build the house, or except the Lord drive the car, except the Lord fix the meal. You could say it about anything. We're not talking about a house here, a physical house. It's not talking about the building, because the Lord hasn't built very many physical buildings that I know of today. He's talking about the family. And if you go and you look at the Hebrew word for the word house here, it means family. Unless the Lord builds your family, they labor in vain that build it. And we're all Christian people here today. We all want to serve God and we all want to have a godly family. But have we given thought to the purposeful point of the Lord building our family? Or do we just, we're good people and we go to church and... We do good things. This is taking that a little bit differently. Not are you good people and do you trust in God? Do you believe in God? But has the Lord built your house? That's, that's a purposeful statement. Unless the Lord is the one building your house and unless, unless he is the one building the foundation, then you labor in vain to build it. It's a waste of time. Some things that Brandon discussed Last week are the attacks that we see on the family in our world today, in our society today. And I'd be remiss if I didn't discuss some of those attacks that happen on the family. And to tell you the truth, and honestly, anything that is not the Lord building your house is an attack on your family. And if you're part of that, you're attacking your own family That goes any, from any member of the family. What we need in the family today is, uh, in no particular order, even though they're numbered, is a godly man. The family has to have a godly man if it's going to be built by the Lord. It has to. It has to have men that are going to do the things that men need to do. And I'm not here to talk about men today, so I won't get into that uh, very deeply, but a family must have godly men. Men that are going to stand up for the truth. Men that are going to lead. And any man here today that is not going to be a godly man is attacking his own family. The family needs a godly woman 
The family needs a woman who's going to guide the home, who's going to care for the home, who's going to love, who's going to stand up for the truth, just like the man. And any woman here today who's not doing that is attacking her own family, her own house. The family must have godly men and godly women. The family must have godly husbands. We, we must have husbands of wives. There are many men out there today and have been since the beginning, I guess, or near the beginning, where there's men who they want to marry other men. That's an attack on the family. That's not a family. There's women out there who want to marry other women. That's an attack on the family. That's not a family. The world today and the church today needs godly husbands and godly wives. A husband that's going to love the wife as Christ loved the church. A wife that's going to submit to the husband. And anything that is not that today is an attack on the family. Anything that is not that today is a, a labor in vain of a family. We, we're battling, and, and what's been popular in today's society is this transgenderism. It's an attack on the family. We need husbands and wives. That's the way God designed the family, and this is what Brandon talked about last week. And lastly, we need godly children. We need children that are going to be obedient and in submission to the mother and to the father, to the parents. And anything that is not that is an attack on the family. And this has to happen with purpose. None of this happens by accident. And a lot of times we walk through life and we think, well, I'm a good person, I'm going to church, I'm, I don't do bad things. It's more than that. This is something that has to be purposeful, to let the Lord build your house. That doesn't happen by accident. It's not going to happen by you just living your life the way you want to. So keep this in mind as we study today's study. Uh, this is the focal point of the, of the series. This is what we want to focus on. This is why we're doing this series. With that being said, this morning we're going to talk about children and young adults. And remember, because <clears throat> I had to do this the whole time I built this sermon, and as I was collecting my thoughts, we're talking this morning from the child's perspective. This is for the children. It's really hard to do that without talking about parenting. So if I start steering into Matt's lane, and I'm sorry, Matt, if I steal some of his material, I, whatever happens is more than happens. I, I'm sorry. Uh, but this is from the perspective, or for, I guess, the child, the child or the young adult. <clears throat> uh, we're going to read a lot of verses you've heard before, verses that you're probably writing them down right now before we even get to them because you know where we're going. And it's a, little, it's a little bit of ground to cover, and so I'm just going to hit the high points on these two groups and then talk about uh, some things that relate to both of them. The three questions or points I want to make this morning are ask the questions, what are children supposed to do or be? What are the young adults supposed to do or be? And then I want to look at some important decisions that are made in this time period. Uh, I may say this again in a little while, but just to lay the groundwork, uh, when, I, when I think of children... Today, I think of somebody still living at home with their parents. Uh, that's the way I'm going to define that. If you want to argue with me, we can argue about that later. If you want to split hairs on that, we can do that later as well. That's the way I'm defining uh, the child. Uh, and then the young adult would be somebody who's not yet married or looking to be married, um, but out of the home. Uh, and that's just that's my personal way of looking at that. You may agree or you may disagree. We may can split hairs. You may can change my mind. Um, but that's the way I see it. Whenever I see the Bible talk about children, I believe that's speaking to people who are still at home with their, with their folks. <clears throat> so what are children supposed to do or be? In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 20, very simply here, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. This is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It, it doesn't get more simple than that. Children, obey your parents. Ephesians chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. 
Now, folks, I'm 27 going on 28 years old. It really, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult. It, it wasn't all that long ago I can remember being a child. It wasn't that far in the distant memory, uh, you know. I'm not a lot more than a decade away from my last busting, if I'm being honest with you. So I can remember it. It wasn't that long ago, really. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It just doesn't get more plain than that. It's not fun all the time, is it? It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. My parents asked me to do a lot of things I didn't want to do. A lot of things. Every day, they would tell me to do something. I didn't want to do it. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. If, as long as your parents are asking you to do something that's not just sin, then do it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. In fact, in, in Colossians, it said, in all things, in everything. If they tell you, take out the trash, then take out the trash. That's obedience. You can't talk about a child and a parent without talking about obedience and the importance of that obedience. Honor your father and mother. It says that this is the first commandment. The first commandment any of us ever had was to obey our parents and to honor them. And that seems simple, but it's not always fun. It's not always enjoyable. <clears throat> Remember, children, and I'm talking to you, if you live at home today, I'm talking to you this morning. Your parents, they want what's best for you. They want what's best for you. And I, I know the parents here today, and none of them are asking you to do something that they don't think is in your best interest. That they don't think you should do. There's not one of them who's asking you to do something that they don't think is what is absolutely best for you. So obey them. Obey them. They probably are thinking back to their childhood days as well. Be obedient and honor them. Honor them because they love you and they, they're doing what they think is best. And they deserve your honor for that. Or honor for that may be a better way of saying that. The first point is to be obedient. And the, the second and the only other one that I want to talk about this morning for children is to be coachable. And these go hand in hand. Be obedient, be coachable. Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, we, you probably saw this verse coming. That we're, that, and this is probably getting into maths a little bit, but train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he won't depart from it. Proverbs is a book of general truths. Meaning that the things that are written in there, in general, this is true. Is there a scenario where this has not happened in life? Yes. But in general, this is the truth. In general, this is the way life goes. In general, if you train up a child in the correct way when he's old, he's going to remember that. And we've seen that play out in people's lives. We've probably seen that play out in our own lives. And so children, for, for your part on this, be coachable. Carrie could probably tell you she's got some student athletes that are not very coachable and some that are very coachable, I would assume. Some that are, they just listen to instruction better and some that they just fight it and they just don't listen. Be coachable. You know what that does? That makes it easier for your parents. That takes stress off them. That makes it easier for them to do your job, to do their job if you'll be coachable. If you'll be trainable. What I want to make sure we understand is there's a very big difference in being moldable and in being coachable. Children, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you're, you're moldable. You're moldable and you're going to take on ideas that people teach you about and it, it's just going to become part of you, whether you, you know it or not. My dad grew up in some point in the 80s. He started liking the North Carolina Tar Heels. I don't know why. They had good colors. I don't know. And now, you know, I grew up, and guess what? I like the North Carolina Tar Heels. People ask me, I go, I don't know, Dad liked them. He'd turn on their game, and we'd watch them, and he'd cheer for them. So I started cheering for them. Children are moldable. Children do whatever the parents mold them into doing. Jalen's probably stuck being an OU fan the rest of her life. Children are moldable. 
They just do whatever the parents do. They don't, can't explain it. This is with purpose, though. Train up in the child the way it should go. It has nothing to do with as much being as moldable. We're going we're gonna to listen to these long-term things, but this is even more short-term. Train. You can't train somebody on accident. You can mold somebody on accident. You can't train them on accident. Children, be trainable. You know what that means? Listen. And that's what we're going to look at here in just a moment. But, but listen. When I think of training, I think of Rocky Balboa going up the steps and training for the fight. This is not something that happens on accident. This is something that happens on purpose. Children, know that when your parents are telling you to do things or telling you things about life, they're training you. They're preparing you. So be coachable and be, be willing to listen. As it says earlier in Proverbs, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. When the Bible often says the word hear like this, it doesn't mean audibly hear it. It means listen and do it. Take that. Apply that. Be trainable. Be coachable. Go and do these things. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. It doesn't just mean listen. It means go and do it. Be ready. Be willing to go and to do. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Listen to what your mom and your dad have to say. Don't forsake it. Don't throw it to the side and think, oh, mom and dad, they don't know what they're talking about. You know what? Sometimes our parents are wrong. They're wrong. You can probably think of a time when your parents were just flat out wrong. But you know what? You still have to obey them. It doesn't, it said Colossians 3 and 20, obey them in all things, not when they're right and you think they're wrong, but just obey them. So be coachable. Forsake not the law. They're doing what they think is best for you. Be obedient, be coachable. So what about the relationship between child and parent? Uh, this is very important. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, remember we just read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. In the fourth verse it says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, we read Colossians chapter 3 verse number 20. Verse 21 says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. You know, there were times, our parents aren't perfect. My parents weren't perfect. There were times when they probably told me to do something out of anger. They probably wanted me to do something because they were just frustrated. And they made me do it. And they made sure that I knew it's because you're going you're gonna to be obedient to me. And you got no choice but to do it. But this speaks to the relationship between child and parent. So this, this I'm kind of getting in on, on parenting as well here. But for the children as well. Your relationship with your parent is important. And your relationship with your parent needs to be certain things, and it doesn't need to be certain other things. I'll expound on that in a moment. But fathers, provoke not your children wrath. Parents, don't make your children uh, wrathful, vengeant. Don't make them uh, uh, resent things just because you have the power to make them do whatever you want. That relationship's important. I remember whenever I was a kid, I thought, man, I get punished. I, get, I have to do all these things. I, I hated some of that. But be, be mindful of that relationship. That relationship is not one in which you're supposed to lord over or provoke them to wrath and just to rule all the time, every day with an iron fist. There may be times when that's important. But this relationship is one of nurture and admonition. Children, remember that. Your, your parents are not trying just to lord over you. They're not trying just to make you angry. They may be telling you to do something and it may make you angry. They're not trying to do that. And children, this doesn't mean if your parents tell you to do something and it makes you angry that they're wrong. You can be angry all you want. Parents, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. This is an important relationship. We don't want to discourage the children. And children, you don't want to be discouraged 
with your parents. So this is a relationship that must be fostered. In Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, it says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Children, you're supposed to be obedient. Children, you're supposed to be coachable. But remember, children, please hear me. This is a relationship of authority and submission. This is a relationship of discipline. And that's not fun. That's not always enjoyable. And if your relationship with your parents is always enjoyable, that's probably not a good thing. It's one of a submission of authority, submission, and a relationship of discipline. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. If there was ever a verse I heard my dad quote more than any others, it was this one right here. I would do something silly. Dad would shake his head and say, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. He was saying it for him, not me. He just wanted to remember this kid is a ding-dong, and he's just going to be that way for a while. And I need to remind myself of that every now and then. I did silly things. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but it says the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Parents, remember, this is a relationship of authority and submission. This is a relationship of discipline. And it's important that we're not best friends with our children. Children, it's important that you know from your perspective, your parents aren't trying to be your best friend. We're friends with our parents. We like our parents. My parents were never my friends. I don't ever remember thinking, they're my buddy. I don't ever remember thinking that. But it's because we had this relationship. We had a relationship of authority and submission. We had a relationship of discipline. It's important that we know that. Children, this will pass. This is a training, as we read earlier in Proverbs. They are training you. They are doing what they believe is best for you. So be obedient to that. Be in submission to that. Be coachable in those things. And without going too deep and taking up too much of our time, that's what I have to tell you about children uh, before we move on. So what is the young adult supposed to do or be? Uh, More of the same, but in a different way. Uh, and I chose on this, submit as well. In Titus chapter 2 and verse number 4, Brother Brandon read this, uh, he read some more verses out of this last week and talked about how the older are supposed to teach the younger and how God has designed that in our world today, that the older need to teach the younger, that the younger need to learn from the older. And just to take a couple verses from that, it says that they may teach the young women to be sober, speaking of the older women, to love their husbands, to love their children. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And so we, we read here about how the older are supposed to teach the younger. And now, remember, we're transitioning to the young adult here. And we've got some young children here today, and I, I try to use that term loosely, uh, but we have some people who are kind of teetering on young adulthood and children's. And so this might apply for you as well. <clears throat> We're supposed to learn from those that are older. We're supposed to be in submission to what they have to say. Why? Because they've seen a thing or two. They know a thing or two. They've experienced the things that you're going through or that you're about to go through. And they understand that. They understand the struggles that you go through, the temptations and the problems. And folks, it's just wisdom. I could have pulled out another hundred verses out of Proverbs that says, My son, incline thine ear to wisdom. My son, this. My son, that. It's littered all throughout Proverbs. And Ecclesiastes as well. My son, submit yourselves to those that are older. And Brandon covered it, so I don't need to, but older people, give some knowledge to the younger folks. Now I'm going to make a stretch here and read 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5. I recognize that this is talking about elders, but it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. And this is talking about the office of eldership. But it goes on to say, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. All of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Young adults here, which I don't know that we have many of, Submit yourselves to those who are older. 
And for the same reasons I just mentioned a while ago, all of you be subject one to another. Why? Because we can help each other. What I noticed and what I saw in my life as I left the home, as I left that stage of childhood and entered that stage of young adulthood, that was a difficult leap to make. And I remember the first semester, uh, after the first semester or a year, whenever I came back home and uh, was with mom and dad for a solid month, and for the last four months, I'd been doing whatever I wanted to do. I'd been going where I wanted to. I wasn't doing bad things, but I'd go where I wanted to go. I ate when I wanted to eat. I hung out with whoever I wanted to hang out with. I stayed up as late as I wanted to. And then I come home, and some of those things change. And that was stressful, probably for everybody. What I'm trying to say is what's hard for a young adult, and if you're a young adult or you consider yourself to be that soon, be humble. God resists the proud. It's a prideful thing to think, well, I got it all figured out. I go do whatever I want to do. I remember that. It wasn't that long ago. And be willing to listen to those who've been through what you've already been through. I chose this picture for a reason. That's a man, he's got him in a choker hold. I thought it was funny at first, and then I realized, well, it's got a better meaning than that. In wrestling or in MMA, this is called a submission. This guy's going, he's tapping. He's saying, all right, fine, you win. And sometimes submission is not pretty. Sometimes this is what submission is. This goes for children or the young adult. Sometimes it's going, you know what? You win. You're, You're right. Sometimes that's what it has to be. It's a prideful, uh, it's, it's a thing of humility to drop your pride to submit. Young adults, I urge you to do that. I know I wish I had done a better job at that. The next one may seem harsh, but grow up. A young adult is, you're, you're not a child anymore, it's time to grow up. First Corinthians says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Probably the second verse I heard my dad quote more than any other. Put away childish things. He was telling me, grow up. Quit acting like a kid. Act like an adult. Grow up. When I, became, when I was a child, I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put away those childish things. There comes a time in our life when, you know what, we've got to grow up. And a lot of people are just forced to do that because they've got no choice. You get thrown out there in the world, and, and you have no choice. And that's a good thing in a lot of ways. But know that whenever you become an adult, it, it's time to put away some childish things. I can't tell you what that looks like for you. But there's going to be some things in your life you just you got to get rid of. Some of it will be easy. Some of it may not be so easy. <clears throat> and Ecclesiastes chapter 11 says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Here's Saul. He's saying, yo, young man, go have fun. Go do what you want to do. Enjoy your life while you're young and while you can. And while you've got energy, go and do that. This is what Solomon's saying to do. He was a wise man. He says, but know thou. Understand this. You can go and you can have fun and you can go and enjoy your life while you're young and while you got your energy, but understand this, that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. It's getting real now. Mom and dad aren't around anymore for the young adult. You're on your own. And the decisions you make have consequences. Not that they didn't before. But know thou that all, for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Remember that, young adults. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth are vanity. Childhood and youth are vanity. The things from your childhood, they're vanity. You know how much time we wasted when we were kids? And we didn't know any better. We were kids. And that's what kids are supposed to do. But you look back now and you go, well, what I, I played all the time. Well, that's vanity. There's a reason adults don't play. 
I think this is great wisdom. So if you're still a child at home and you're about to be a young adult, listen, listen to this. Go have fun. Go enjoy your life. Do fun things. But be careful and understand and know that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Be careful. Understand that. <clears throat> now what about the young adult's relationship with the parent? I found a couple verses in Hebrews that I enjoyed and I'm going to read them in ESV because they just make it that much more plainer in some of the language that's used here. But it says, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. And he, obviously a, a spiritual point is being made here, but he's, he's showing that through our parents disciplining us. And the writer is. We have, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and you know what? We respected them. We can all go back and remember a day in our childhood when we thought, I will never spank a kid as long as I live. Never I have kids. I ain't doing none of this junk. I hated that. I hated being whipped. I hated getting bustings. I hated being punished. And I, I was an angry child over that for some time. And you, one day you look back and you go, well, that wasn't bad. I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for that. We all had earthly fathers that... Whipped our ears, and you know what? We look back and we think, we say, thank you. We're glad for it. What's the point? Verse number 11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful but rather, rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Later. Children, remember this. Later. It's going to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's going to be hard to look forward to. That's going to be hard to understand when you're a child. I sure wouldn't have. Parents, this is something for parents as well. Remember, later, this is going to yield a good thing, a positive thing, a righteous and holy thing. We all had fathers that disciplined us, and we're thankful for it. And it was awful at the time. It wasn't fun at the time. But if young adults are raised properly, then your relationship changes. And your relationship is not one so much anymore of authority and submission. It's the same way that it was before. Your relationship is not anymore about discipline as it was before. Later, it, it yields something that is peaceful and pleasant. And I look back now, my parents are my friends. I spend more time with dad than any friend I ever had before. He's my buddy. He's my pal. We, we hang out together. I enjoy being with him. And the reason for that is because of the way he raised me. There were some times that weren't pleasant. There were some times that if I thought I was strong enough, I'd have gone toe-to-toe with him. That wasn't very pleasant. But now, it's yielded something that's much more peaceful and enjoyable. Remember that, children and young adults. <clears throat> so moving on uh, to our final point this morning is important decisions are made. Uh, from the time you're a child to the time you're a young adult, we're talking, what can we consider that 20 years-ish? We're talking a time that could be a quarter to a third of your life is spent in this area that we're talking about. And one of the most important things that happens in those first 15, 20 years of your life are very important habits are built. Well, like I said before, children are moldable. Children are trainable and moldable. In Ecclesiastes 12, verses 1, the verse preceding what we just read in Ecclesiastes a moment ago says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. What Solomon's trying to say here is, is build good habits in your youth. Form good habits. Remember God then and incline yourself to God and to your spirit whenever you're young, and that's going to help you when you're old. Form good habits. <clears throat> how many of us here don't raise your hand did something when they were 14 or 15 or 16 that we still remember that we regret just about all of us right how many of us formed habits when we were 
in our young teens or maybe even a child that we, that we fight today develop some problem that we still, we still have trouble with to this very day. Form good habits when you're young. That's a hard thing to understand. Once again, I know I sure wouldn't have. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Form good habits while they're easiest to form. I did some reading on, uh, online, and I probably read 15 or two dozen stories about children who were abducted when they were children. And you don't know where this is going, but I'll get you there. Hundreds of years ago, the Indians would raid through some village and they would abduct children. And you'll have to go take my word for it. I didn't read the book. Dad told me about this portion of it. But they're Comanche Indians. They would come through and they would only abduct children that were of a certain age. They didn't want them any younger than, say, six years old. And they didn't want them any older than, like, 12 years old. Because if they were any younger than that, they would slow them down. They would just take too much training. They would take too much raising. It, was, it wasn't worth their time to abduct them and to integrate them. If they were any older than 12 or whatever the age was, then they were already too set in their ways with the family that they were, belonged to, and they wouldn't integrate into the Indian lifestyle. So they only, they only looked for a certain age of children. Doesn't that tell you something about how moldable and how habit-building children are? Like I said, I probably read 15 or two dozen stories about different people who were abducted by Indians whenever they were somewhere in that age range. And I can't tell you, none of them lived a normal life after that. And most of them were liberated. Most of them ended up getting back to their family or away from the Indians at some point. Let me tell you, there were, there were several handfuls of those stories about these kids that would get abducted. They'd go live with the Indians for like a matter of months and their parents would go and Get fight and get them back and then they'd run away from their parents and go back to the Indians isn't that crazy there was one boy who he had been abducted by the Indians and he lived there it was more than months it was a matter of a few years or something and he his parents came and bought him they paid a ransom and got that boy back and he went and lived in a cave the rest of his life because that the little bit of time he spent there was so habit for him. It was so building. It was so impactful on his life as a child. He, he could never go back to a normal lifestyle. Isn't that insane? I say all this to say build good habits. And this is something for parents. Know that that's the stage of life your children are in. They're moldable. You, you can help them build good habits that will last them the rest of their life or... They will build bad habits that will last them the rest of their lives. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, speaking of, of the word of God, says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. The scriptures are privy to this. The scriptures understand this. Children are moldable. They can, you can help them build good habits when they're young. You can help them understand their relationship with God when they're young. That's why Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. This is such an important and crucial time uh, for a child even up into young adulthood. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Sincere here means pure, the whole. The perfect. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. When you're young, desire, desire good things. This is talking about completely spiritual and getting in the word of God, but desire good things when you're young. And that's how you're going to grow. There's some important things that go on for children and young adults. Like I said, we all can go back and remember things that we regret, that have stuck with us. The next thing that's important is becoming accountable. Like I said, this, is, this sermon was designed for those who are anywhere from children to young adults. And it's somewhere in that stage of life, from, from being 
a child to leaving home, you are going to become accountable for yourself. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. And children, at some point, you will become accountable for your actions. We understand that little small children, they're not, they're not accountable for the things they do. But at some point, you will understand. If you haven't already, I'm assuming most of ours understand. For 2 Corinthians rather, 5 and 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You're going to be accountable for your actions. You may already be accountable for your actions. And that means that the decisions that you make on a daily basis are eternal decisions. And right now you've got mom and dad to help you with that if, if you're still in the home. You may be accountable living in the home, you may not. But you've got mom and dad's help right now. But you're, within a matter of years, you're going to be out on your own. And the things that you do, you're going to be accountable for them. And you're going to stand before God and answer to those things. One of these days, you're, you're going to be just an adult. Just like the rest of us. One thing certain is everybody will stand before God. Every last person who's ever been alive will stand before God. Now, that's an important thing to remember. That one day I'm going to be accountable, or I am now accountable for the things that I do. Parents, do with that what you will. And the last one is going to be about relationships again. Uh, forming good relationships, building good relationships, uh, pursuing good and godly relationships. Proverbs says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. <clears throat> I didn't have a brother, but I've got some friends that, are, that I'm really close with. Friends that I uh, really appreciate to this day. Friends that they know where the bodies are buried kind of friends, you know? And I didn't make those friends by accident. I don't know that I made them all on purpose either. Let me tell you, I look back now and I realize, and Hallie's going to get sick of this because I've told her this a hundred different times since I've known her. But the best friends I have are friends I met at gospel meetings in the summer. The, the absolute best friends I've got. My lifelong friends. That's where I met them. And I look back and I looked over across at my wedding and those are the friends that were there. You know who wasn't at my wedding? Anybody from high school. Anybody. In fact, I didn't even invite most of them. You know who, who was there? The friends I met when I was 14 at Lubbock, Texas at a gospel meeting. They were there. Make good friends. I'm not saying you can't make good friends in high school. I've got buddies from high school, and we're friendly. But on purpose, make good friends and make good wise choices of your friends. <clears throat> Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. New King James. They say that. We've said it a hundred times from the pulpit because we're inclined to being deceived with who we spend our time around and how that won't affect us. See, I had, I had good friends that I made in the church growing up. And they made poor friends and they're not in the church any longer. They don't care one flip about it. Hadn't been in a church service, hadn't tried to serve God in years already. And they made one bad friend in high school. Make wise choices of your friends. Let me tell you, I made good friends in college, and they were made for me probably before I got there. That's who I spent my time with, people that were in the church, people that I trusted. And they're my friends to this day. They'll be my friends forever. Now beyond that is picking a spouse. Once you become into young adulthood and whenever you begin to start thinking about finding a, a spouse, uh, boys or girls, young adult, men and women, 
Uh, Proverbs says it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. I suppose this goes for men and women. Folks, be careful who you hitch your wagon to. Be careful. This, this illustrates how awful life can be if you pick the wrong spouse. Just go, hey, there's a guy out there who he, he married the wrong woman, and he'd rather be out wandering around in the wilderness. He'd rather be lost away from everybody because his life is just pain and torture because of this woman. And that can be the same for a young woman. You, you might be rather in Timbuktu than be with this guy because he's crazy and he's wild. And you made a poor decision. It's important who you choose for your spouse. It's important that you make a wise decision there. Colossians 3, the verses just before where we read earlier where it says, Children, obey your parents in all things. Uh, a couple verses earlier it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Young, young ladies who will be getting married one of these days. Marry a man that you can see yourself submitting to. Marry a man that will love you like Christ loved the church. Is there any other way to put it? Young boys, marry a woman who will submit to you. Marry a woman that you can love like Christ loved the church. These are important decisions that will last with you forever and can go very good or very poorly. Finally, this morning, as we begin to wrap up our thoughts to the children living at home today, uh, to the young adults in the audience, learn to take responsibility. Learn to take responsibility. First Timothy, uh, in speaking to Timothy, of course, says, Let no man despise thy youth, but... Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Give attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Now, this was for Timothy's sake, I suppose, but young children at home, learn to take responsibility. Learn that your age is uh, sometimes a hurdle, but take responsibility. You can't hide behind the fact that you're a kid. You can't hide behind that fact forever. So learn to take responsibility. Parents, push your children to take responsibility. Push your children to do things that you don't think they can do. Children, your parents are going to push you at times. Be coachable. Be coachable and trust them. Allow yourself to be pushed and to take responsibility and to do things you didn't think you could do. Yes, you can. Just do it. And then, as we read before, I'm not, I don't have this on the board, but we'll read a couple verses there. Uh, this is where it talks about the older teaching the younger. Brandon read over this more thoroughly last week. Um, just to hit a couple high points there. Verse 2 says that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patient. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Folks, children... Learn to take responsibility. Learn to become these things. Submit to the authority of those who are older. Submit to your parents' authority and take some responsibility and grow and become something that is good. 
children today, folks living at home today, let me ask you, one of these days, all these adults are going to be gone, dead and gone. And God forbid it happened tomorrow or next week. But young men, if, if all the men were gone next week, could you lead the worship assembly? Learn to take responsibility. Learn to do it. This is going to be your life. Learn to take that responsibility now. It's not hard. All of us can do it. It's not difficult. Do it. Learn to take that responsibility. Learn to take that responsibility in the home. Young women, if, if all the women were gone tomorrow, could you guide the home? Could you lead the home? Could you take care of children? Could you love them? Learn to take that responsibility. Step up and do it. There's an attack on the family today. And we didn't talk about some of those more pressing issues. But they're important nonetheless. Children, if you're not obedient to your parents, it's an attack on the house. And it's an attack on the Christian family. Be obedient to them. Be in submission to them. Be coachable by them. Maybe you're not a child anymore. You're not even a young adult. You're just a boring adult. Take responsibility. Don't attack your own family. This doesn't happen. As I said before, this doesn't happen by accident. This happens with purpose. This happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Not overnight. Not all of the sudden. Let the Lord build your house. Do that on purpose. Be a man that stands up for the truth. Be a woman that stands up for the truth. Be a husband and a wife that work together, that love each other, that submit. And lead the home. Lead the family. And help to raise a child who's going to go on and build their own home in the Lord. That ain't going to happen on accident. It's going to take purpose. We're, we're attacked from every side by society today. And, and sin creeps into the home and problems creep into the home. Be proactive in that. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.